Smartcast. With the Baker's Plus Card, it's easy to get lower than low prices for the win. Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus Card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show featuring Jason Zuck. Jason has been an intuitive psychic medium since 2004. This show will cover a variety of topics relating to spirituality, mediumship, self-improvement, and intuitive guidance. Whatever interests you, remember that we are all here to share and learn. Sit back and get ready to socialize with the social psychic. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. I have with me this evening special guest, Melissa Carroll, a personal friend of mine for many years. Melissa is known as the yoga writer. The reason I decided to have Melissa on the show this evening is because she has developed a very useful approach when it comes to incorporating mindfulness, yoga, and creative writing to help herself and others. Melissa is an acclaimed writer, a certified ER. YT, 500-hour yoga instructor, a Reiki master, and a meditation guide. She's the editor of the essay collection, Going Om, Real Stories on and Off the Yoga Mat. And she's also been involved with two other poetry chapbooks called The Pretty Machine and The Karma Machine, which received the Peter Award. Her work has appeared in Brevity, Mantra Plus Yoga Magazine, Elephant Journal, mindbodygreen.com, The Literary Bohemian, Silvana East, Poetry Quarterly, and elsewhere. Charles also on the faculty of the Yoga Teacher Training Program at the Lotus Pond, which is located in Tampa, Florida. She teaches creative writing at Ringling College of Art and Design and leads yoga and writing workshops and retreats all over the world. Without further ado, I am pleased to have and welcome Melissa to the show. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Okay, great. Hi. Thank can you. you hear me? <laughs> yes, I can. Yes, I can. Thank you for oh, okay. coming on to the Great. show this evening. Oh, I'm I, so uh, glad. I'm happy you. to be here. Thank you. I just gave you an introduction and went over your background. I know that one of the things I left out was that you have a master's in creative writing from the University of South Florida. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. And, um, and uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to you this evening about was how you're able to incorporate creative writing and yoga, meditation, and other aspects of your mindfulness concept. I'd like to have you kind of uh, share that with us today. Tell me a little about your background. Originally, you were from New Jersey, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Good old New Jersey. (laughs) Gonna say I've been living in Florida now for um, 15 years. I got my undergraduate and my graduate degree here, and it was in grad school that I really started to fuse together these practices and these paths of yoga and mindfulness and creative writing, like you mentioned in the intro. So um, that's where that's where things started to gel after practicing yoga and meditation, and also being a creative writer for many, many years, 
I hadn't put all of those pathways together um, until I was in my last year of graduate school. I know one of the things I wanted to touch on is your publications. I mentioned Going Om, and that's been out for about almost four years now. Is that right? Yes. Yep. She'll be um, four years old this fall. <laughs> <laughs> and what, uh, what motivated you to create your, your editorial essay collection of Going Om? That's a great question. Well, um, the book actually really is an outgrowth of my combining all of these passions, right, between creative writing and the power of storytelling and how language and stories really serve to connect us and forge empathy between, between each other. And also um, in just sharing the narratives behind yoga and how yoga can improve or, or change and benefit our lives in so many profound ways. Yoga has really become this incredible cultural phenomena in the West in the last few decades, and especially in America in the last, um, you know, just 15, 20 years, it, it's exploded. And uh, there's something like 30 million Americans practicing yoga now. And so when I was in my last year of graduate school, it was my mentor, Ira Sakrungrung, who he, in his own right is an absolutely fantastic writer and teacher. He said to me, you know, you're, you're a yoga teacher, you love yoga, you love writing about yoga, and um, obviously you're also a, a, a writer and you love writing. Why don't you merge these, these two passions? And so I uh, decided to create a book, to curate a book of stories from writers who I knew also practiced yoga. Because there are, of course, many, many books of yoga wisdom out there, and we need those books. They're essential. But there weren't many contemporary books of literature that really dug into the power of storytelling and, and how yoga can change our lives, especially in the modern world. So I wanted to share those stories. I wanted to get those stories out there. Um, so I contacted a bunch of writers, and fortunately, they were all very, very gracious, and this book came into the world. It became a real thing. That's, that's phenomenal. I know before we got on the air, we discussed your idea of what created going on. I want to see if you can share that in particular with the, with our audience. Yeah. You know, for, for me, too, it was really a, a journey for myself how writing has helped me with my own anxiety and, and depression, right? And how I know for so many other people, we live in our heads and we think that we're the only ones who experience suffering and um, isolation and loneliness and, we, you know, all of those nagging voices within. And I think, you know, my, my aim and what really happened when so many of these writers shared their stories with me when I was uh, collecting the works for this book um, was that their stories were about their own personal struggles. And the thing is, you know, we all have different details. The details of our lives are, are different, of course, but the underlying universal emotions that we all experience are the same. You know, we all want to feel like we belong. We're all seeking inner peace at the end of the day. We're all seeking that, that sense of tranquility. We all want to be happy. 
and are universal. You know, um, how we arrive at those states of being might look different, but the qualities themselves remain the same from person to person. And this is why, for, for most people, you, you've read a novel and you've been brought to tears or certainly watched a movie, right? And you've been brought to tears um, because Definitely. the details are, yeah, the details are unique and specific, but we're all human. I love the way you you bring up the fact that like if you watch a movie and you have one of those really emotional moments and you're trying to hide the tears so no one can watch you getting teary eyed, or if you're by yourself, you might, you know, ball your eyes out and not think anything of it. But that emotional response, I think that that's something that you can, you can definitely, everyone can identify with that when they, when they see something that just really impacts them emotionally, having the ability to utilize that and reflect on that. And I believe probably utilizing meditation and yoga as well as creative writing uh, can all touch on that type of an idea where you could take thoughts and, and passions and put them into words. Exactly. Exactly. You know, words are so powerful and I know you know this, (laughs) but the words that we're, we're natural storytellers. The human species, uh, thrives and survives on stories. This is how we pass on vital information from generation to generation. And arguably, our capacity for sophisticated, complex language is really what enabled our species to, to thrive and basically take over the planet, you know? Um, and this is why stories resonate so, so deeply with us, exactly like you said. Everybody has a story to tell. Everybody can reveal something about themselves through their stories. It's, it's part of the shared human experience that we call our memories and our culture and, and our individuality as well. When it comes exactly. to your creative writing career, I know that going on was not your first thing that you were involved in. Can you tell us a little about your earlier projects? Sure, I would be happy to. Um, prior to the book going home coming out, I also had a chapbook of poetry. A chapbook is just a smaller book of poetry. And um, that was published by a smaller press that's based in Tampa, actually, Yellow Jacket Press. And they're a wonderful supporter of the literary arts. And um, so that came out. And also I had a smattering of publications with some literary journals, as you mentioned in the intro as well. Thank you for that. (laughs) You're welcome. What prompted you to want to pursue creative writing as your passion professionally? Oh, that's a a great question. Um, So I, I love how you said everyone has a story to tell, right? And I completely agree with that. But is something, you know, I think is so, so true. And not everybody wants to share their story via the written word. That's, that's, of course, perfectly fine. But for me, I knew I wanted to be a writer from the very beginning, technically before I could even write. I would draw stories when I was like, you know, four years old. And I would actually, I would self-publish I would staple them together, and I would make my own book covers. I would, uh, wrap, I would wrap them in wrapping paper. My mom always had, like, a stash of wrapping paper in our, you know, in, like, in the den. And so I would staple wrapping paper over my books and read them. I would, you know, because, of course, I could interpret the 
terrible pictures that I had drawn on these pages. Uh, and I would read them to my Labrador, my pet Labrador, Sandy, in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, so, yeah. How did you, <laughs> I was going to ask you, how did you get into poetry? Well, poetry is one of those forms that just always resonated with me. Um, obviously, then growing up, I always loved to write and be creative. And um, I loved reading poetry, even though I didn't always understand it. <laughs> and um, I think I learned a lot. I know I learned a lot in graduate school. And uh, I really, really dug into the craft and the art of writing. I think it's the same way a musician might be compelled toward a particular instrument. You know, you, there, there's a natural instinct for music. Someone has a natural ear and a talent, but then there's a skillfulness that needs to be explored and refined through practice, through studying the greats that came before you, through just practicing on your own, doing the work. Um, so whereas some writers really gravitate toward novels and they're amazing at fiction, for me, I gravitate toward nonfiction writing because I believe, you know, the truth is stranger than fiction. The, you know, real life is crazy enough. And uh, poetry as well. I just, um, yeah, love it. In terms of yoga itself and popular culture, I know you mentioned earlier in the show how there's approximately 30 million yoga practitioners at this point. Yeah. One of the questions I wanted to ask you is yoga being portrayed in popular culture. What's your viewpoints on how media, various forms of media, social media, print media, movies, television, radio, how do you feel the portrayal of yoga in all those various forms depict what yoga really is all about? Jason, that is a really good question. How much time do we have? <laughs> we could do a whole podcast just on this one topic. I have no shortage of opinions. <laughs> but um, to, to answer your question, uh, it, it is a really interesting phenomenon that's occurring because yoga is a really ancient tradition. Um, the ancient scriptures of yoga, the texts of, of yoga are thousands of years old. And um, in its original intention, yoga stems from the Sanskrit verb yuj, which means to yoke together, to, to unite, to bridge together. And so we often interpret this, uh, in, especially in the modern world, as uniting our ego self, the, the part of us that identifies with our personality, you know, our likes, our, our judgments, our opinions, our, our preferences with our higher consciousness, that we're so much more than just our set of personal identifications. And so that brings us to this really interesting, convoluted scenario as yoga merges and and uh, some people you know I get perhaps for lack of a better word they say yoga evolves through the ages um, and the beauty of yoga I will say this the beauty of the practice of yoga is that there are so many dimensions to it that it 
is really like water. It can fill any container that you put it in, right? So if you're really, if you have low back pain, which is one of the most, it's cited as being one of the most common reasons why people seek out yoga these days, especially in America. If you have low back pain, yoga can help you. On the physical dimension, yoga will help you feel better and uh, more balanced, more open within your muscles and your connective tissue, within your joints, you'll feel better. Um, however, yoga is a multidimensional practice. And we also know in the yoga studies very, very clearly talk about how the, the physical dimension is directly interwoven with the mental, emotional, and energetic dimensions of ourselves too. We also know this on a biological level. So if I go to a yoga class because my low back hurts, I actually just had a student tell this to me um, last week. He started coming to yoga because he has a herniated disc. And he's discovered that not only is his back feeling better, but all sorts of other things are starting to feel better too. And he's experiencing less stress in his life. And he's able to take deeper breaths throughout the day, which allows him to be more calm and more at peace, even when he is, let's say, stuck in traffic or getting tense at work or something like that. The, the effects of yoga will, if you let it, you know, the effects of yoga will permeate into these other avenues, these other areas of your life. Um, and, and that's, that's the beauty phenomenal. of yoga. It's, it really is an amazing practice. Um, and I do, I do also want to add that, you know, because we, we do live in the West, um, I heard it said once that we are a body-focused culture, you know, especially in America. We're so uh, hyper-attentive to the physical form. Uh, for, for, for all of its benefits and all of the negative uh, attachments that come with that, right? Um, so we've really attached to the physical practice of yoga, the postures. But the ancient practice of yoga really didn't focus on the physical element at all. It was really more on the meditative qualities to get us out of the egoistic mind and into that higher space of consciousness where we are more connected which, as we were chatting about before, is actually the same idea with writing, how stories connect us, right? When we practice exactly. spiritual, yeah, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Um, there are so many parallels between yoga and storytelling. So um, I could go That's on. Phenomenal. <laughs> just, just the whole idea of it is phenomenal. I, I would want to know, when you practice yoga, and I, I, the term practice applies to so many different aspects of it, learning it, mastering it. I don't think anyone really masters yoga. It's a process, right? It's a journey. Um, how does meditation play into attaining your mastery of yoga itself? That's a wonderful question. It's a really important question. Um, and I wouldn't consider myself a yoga master. I've been practicing for 12 years, but I also want to qualify that the first, like, two years or so, you know, I started out, I'm not naturally flexible. I'm, I never felt like I was athletic growing up. Um, I was the girl taking yoga classes at the YMCA, sweating and shaking in the back row. I wasn't like just one day stepped onto my mat and, 
you know, oh, everything clicked and it was beautiful and blissful. <laughs> that was not the case. And I don't think that's the case for many, many people, especially many modern people, right? Um, sure. So, yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted to qualify with that. And, and actually, while I was starting my uh, yoga practice 12 years ago, I was also really getting into my personal meditation practice. And they were separate. At the beginning, I was taking Buddhist meditation classes, which you also know about because you went to a couple with yeah. me <laughs> in Tampa, Florida. And um, they really, those classes, those weekly hour-long meditation classes, my life in such a profound way because not only did I learn that just by sitting still, relatively still, and slowing down and looking inward, I could uncover that sense of inner peace that I had always been seeking. But of course, I had been seeking inner peace in the external. I'd been really seeking outer peace, and that wasn't working. I'd always sought happiness from achievements, right, or validation from other people, from, from being liked, from feeling like I belonged. Now, these are really essential traits. They're essential parts of what it means to be human, but it didn't give me that lasting sense of serenity that I had always desired, especially growing up with depression and anxiety. I just wanted to feel content. I wanted to just have that, that, that magical something that I knew those, those yoga masters, these enlightened beings seem to have, and it seems so elusive. And through those meditation classes, I started to taste inner peace, and it was what I'd always thought. And it was like, oh, I didn't have to search outside myself, right? It's the great illusion, the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit implies that we have to struggle for happiness when all we have to do is close our eyes and turn inward and remember that everything we're seeking is already residing within us. I love that, actually. I think the fact is so many people don't realize you could journey inward and have a phenomenal experience with that process, the getting to know yourself mm -hmm. on such a level where, you know, spirituality, that I feel very strongly. It, it really reflects our connection within ourselves and the larger collective whole. I'm not talking about organized religion. I'm just talking about spirituality itself. Having that capacity to connect to your higher self, being able to, to develop that strong meditative state of mind. And um, I've, I, you know, I've tried to do yoga myself, and I haven't been so successful with it. Uh, a couple of fires <laughs> demonstrated that once during one of your outside sessions. But I definitely, <laughs> I definitely want to expand my own perspective perspective regarding yoga in the future and I know you've always offered me that opportunity I need to take you up on that more than uh, just words let me ask you this well <laughs> go ahead. oh I was just gonna say I mean I know how intuitive you are and I know um, you know how you help people so much through your own intuition that I I can guarantee you that moving mindfully in a yoga practice would only amplify your gift so much more that would be phenomenal. I have a lot of clients that come to me and ask, how do you meditate? I don't know how to meditate. I try. It doesn't work. And I try part of my <laughs> sessions with them to give them some basic pointers. And one of the things I recommend to them is learn yoga, 
then I also say try to find a guided meditation class. And usually they'll come back and follow up with me and tell me that they've actually been able to attain some level of a meditative state. I think that's our greatest challenge with all our devices. We're so plugged in trying to unplug for just a little bit of time. And you know, that's also one of my challenges Uh, going back and trying to be one with nature, unplugging, not Mm. having to check your status update with your social media for a few days or a few hours. Those are our challenges in this modern age that we live in right now. And I, I guess what I would like to ask you is for anyone who's wishing to unplug a little bit, how would you recommend that they, they learn more about yoga? Oh, that is such a such a great question, and so so many good points too. Um, I know I, I, it's hard for all of us to unplug. We've become addicted to technology and <laughs> uh, and social media, right? Social media is specifically designed to give us those hits of dopamine, those hits of serotonin, so that we we crave it. We want to keep going back. We want to see how many likes do I have, even if like <laughs> I know you and I both. We post a lot of content about mindfulness and inner peace, and yet we're, we're still craving, like, how many likes did I get on that post of my Rumi poem? <laughs> you know, it's pretty funny. It was not Rumi's intention Correct. when he wrote that poem for it to go viral, but, you know, that's okay. <laughs> um, but, oh, I was just going to say, so to reiterate your question, then um, how can people – kind of start exploring a yoga practice or a meditation practice, correct? Correct. Okay. Um, that's, that's a really great question. So there are so many different styles of yoga that are currently on offer in America. And um, a lot of times it's funny because the, this also goes back to your previous question about the landscape of yoga in America these days, or in really globally too, in our our modernized civilization. Um, The yoga that is practiced today is a reflection of the energy of the modern world. Much of the yoga that is offered, if you walked into most yoga classes that at least I've experienced around the United States, they're pretty vigorous. They're pretty powerful. Um, some of them are in heated rooms. Hot yoga is so popular. Um, and with that sense of activity, it's a very physical practice. It's demanding. It's pretty, it's, um, it, it'll promise you all sorts of things from losing weight to amping up your metabolism to getting strong abs, all those sorts of physical benefits that we attach to in the West because we're so body oriented. Um, So I would tell people who are new to yoga to not just to walk into any old yoga class, to really start with either a class that is designed for beginners or a class that is specifically called gentle Um, because those classes will be more mindful and will go slower in nature. They will be tailored to the needs of a beginner. They will give you proper alignment so that you don't injure yourself. Um, yoga is not designed to injure us when it is done uh, improperly, of course, when the teacher is not teaching skillfully enough or the student has previous injuries or they're just competing with themselves or competing with the person on the mat next to them, which is a very natural human uh, conditioned response in a yoga class as in life. Um, a lot of people push too far. And It's part of my mission to see that people don't push too far anymore, that we actually start to let go. And so starting with beginner classes, you can even, you know, why not utilize 
social media for good because there is so much good that comes out of social media. There are lots of classes on offer on YouTube. I'm going to be starting to offer some YouTube yoga classes because I want to take advantage of these platforms. Um, there are pros and cons to everything, right? Even even social Absolutely. media. <laughs> um, yeah, there are same with meditation. There are lots of great meditations on YouTube. Um, there's ones for specific needs too. I know for myself, uh, when I've gone through periods of stress and I've suffered from insomnia, I will specifically look up guided meditations for insomnia and they help me go back to sleep. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. They're very healing. That's great. We actually have a caller, Melissa. So I'm going to put the call on oh, right great. now. Oh, great. Okay, great. Hi, welcome to the show. May I ask you calling? Yes, um, this, is a, this is Chris. And Hi, Chris. Welcome hey, to the uh, show. Jason, do you have a question? Oh, okay. Well, um, no, I, I was just saying I've been great fans of, of both of you. You, you know, your abilities are off the charts, and I mean, I've I followed you both for years now. I see one of the topics of this podcast is anxiety, and I, I know with what you were saying, Melissa, I mean, the whole point of these yogic practices is kind of tune into this higher self of consciousness, but I'm just curious. I mean, I myself, you know, find myself, you know, being ridden with anxiety sometimes, like wanting to either self-medicate or kind of like fall prey to those vices and temptations. I mean, would you recommend that when you feel that way to like tend to yourself and kind of reach out to that higher consciousness or to kind of just maybe, maybe take a few deep breaths and send yourself and kind of stay in this plane, this kind of consciousness? That's such a great question. Thank you so much for calling in, too, Chris. I really, really appreciate that. So great. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Really, really good question. So this state of higher consciousness um, can really only be accessed. It can mostly be accessed through dedicated and those dedicated okay. practices, like you mentioned, deep breathing exercises, of which actually the yoga tradition outlines many different techniques. There are so many different practices that we can explore, and everybody is unique, and different techniques will work better for you depending on the situation, depending on the day, and just depending on, on you yourself, right? So, um, Actually, why don't I guide us all in one of the most fundamental breathing techniques, which is known as the three-part breath. It's uh, it's called the Dirga breath, and it's also referred to as the full yogic breath. And this is something that your listeners can do, that anybody can do. It's it's perfect. And um, you can do it when you're sitting in your car, when you're having, uh, you know, when you're in the office, when you're having a conversation with someone because all you have to do is breathe and you're already doing that all the time anyway. So the breath really is to answer answer your question simply uh, working with the breath and working with these different breathing techniques will really help to soothe anxiety. Um, And like you pointed out for myself, I have struggled with anxiety uh, for many years, and I, I still struggle with it. I'm not going to pretend like I'm enlightened or like I, I've got it all figured out, but I do know that these practices have been so deeply powerful. They've been so key to helping me live in a state of um, contentment. And even when I have been caught 
in a state of anxiety, I can do these practices and they really ease those sensations. Because anxiety is a physical experience uh, and we all feel anxiety differently. You know, for me, I feel it in my shoulders. My shoulders get really tight. My jaw clenches and I get uh, tingling in the belly. And about a third of our nervous system actually lives in the lining of our gut. So we feel a oh, lot wow. of emotions in our, in our gut. And the other amazing thing is that this breath and most of these breathing techniques will allow you to take a deeper breath. They have the diaphragm. I'm getting a little particular now, but the diaphragm, no problem. Uh, when you take a deep breath, it, it descends and you can take in more air and you actually soothe those nerves along the lining of your gut. You can really biologically create some shifts for yourself. Uh, and there, there's a whole field. It's incredible. There's, and so much of modern science, too, is catching up and doing studies to really prove that these techniques work. And um, we also know that taking these deeper breaths shifts the nervous system out of the fight-or-flight response and moves us into the uh, parasympathetic yeah, into the uh, relaxation response, the parasympathetic nervous system. So, that's all phenomenal. of that said. That's great. Um, yeah. So, with all of that said, do you, are you guys okay with trying a few deep breaths? Yes, please. Sure. Absolutely. Okay, okay, great. So, the first thing is wherever you happen to be, uh, I'm assuming you guys are sitting down, and for your listeners too out there, uh, and if you're driving when you're listening to this, just make sure you keep your eyes open. Eyes can stay open or they can be closed, whatever feels. Uh, just make sure that you're in a comfortable seat. And if your legs are crossed, uncross them, just so there's more of an evenness across the hips and then also the shoulders because everything's connected. And make sure you're sitting up pretty tall so that you're actually opening a little across the chest and your lungs can then take in more air. For most of us, we breathe really shallow. We're only taking in about a third or a quarter of what our lungs can hold. So on your next inhale, I'm going to invite you to breathe a little deeper, to imagine as though you could draw that in-breath down into the base of your lungs. And then as you exhale, just let it go. Completely let the breath release. And then again, as you inhale, soften your belly. And as you exhale, let your navel draw back toward your spine. So we're emptying on the exhale, and we're filling up on the inhale. So the inhalation creates softness, soften your belly. And as you exhale, your navel gently pulls back toward the spine. We're not engaging like we were doing a sit-up, but just there's a movement there, like a wave. We breathe in, the belly softens, we breathe out, the navel hugs back toward the spine. This is the first stage. Inhaling, imagining that breath drawing down into your lower lungs, exhaling, just letting the breath go. And the other magic thing, as you continue to breathe deeply here, is that when you refocus your attention on these specific techniques in the body, your mind concentrates more. And then suddenly all those busy thoughts that we had swirling around that tend to cause us anxiety and stress and tension, they start to fall away, slowly and slowly, slowly and slowly. So then on your next breath, take in a deep breath, 
fill up, soften the belly, and now forget about the belly and just let the breath rise up into your solar plexus and across the sides of your ribs. And as you exhale, let all of that go. And again, we breathe in down into your navel and then let the breath rise up into your solar plexus, flaring out the sides of your ribs, exhaling completely. So now we'll get the whole thing, all three parts, breathing in down to the belly, the solar plexus, the top of the breath rises up across your heart, your chest, and we exhale fully, emptying. We'll just take one more deep breath in across the belly, the solar plexus, all the way up into the collarbones, the buoys of the upper lungs, exhaling nice and slow. So that's a, a pretty quick introduction. You can, of course, return to your natural breath or feel free to continue. <laughs> That's amazing. Absolutely. I already uh, feel notably more relaxed. Yeah. That's so great. That's I'm so glad. <laughs> Yay. That's Thank why you I practice so much. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely, um, I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where this journey takes me. I mean, I would love to, to, as Jason said, you know, that's what life is all about. It's, it's a journey we're on and just to keep on learning more and more I can, uh, as much as I can every day. Exactly. That's exactly it. Beautifully said. Well, thank you so much, um, both for uh, yeah, all continuing listening. And, uh, really, thank you so much. Um, I'm really grateful. <laughs> thank you so much, Chris. We thank appreciate you. your call. <laughs> and your you support. Thank you. Thank you thank too. You. Thank you. That was great. I, uh, that was I really great. Like that. I would call that the primer of uh, short meditative state. It, it literally was very relaxing. Hopefully our audience can try that as well when they listen to this, if they or either now or in recorded version uh that that was really good it's very nice you know it's interesting one of the things i i will tell you is ever since i started doing my readings professionally as an intuitive psychic one of the things i've developed as you go you just develop your 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 strategy over time and um i do three or four deep meditative breaths before i do a start of a reading to kind of channel myself mm. gra ground myself and yeah. get me focused on whatever in, you know intuition I could pick up for uh, for my for my readings and I think that the breathing aspect the breathing exercises you just described and everything I really do think everything goes hand in hand our our, our bodies mm. are equipped to be in deep meditative thought and to you know even for people interested in growing their intuition or their connection to others it's all interconnected it's all interrelated I think you could definitely learn how to improve your intuitive abilities through meditation, through yoga, through breathing exercises. There's so many benefits to it. I, Absolutely. It's, it's yeah, it really is. It's all, it's all connected. Um, so many of these paths lead us to the same place. And I'm so glad that, you know, you're already naturally doing it. And I think a lot of us are already naturally doing it in some ways. I even will say to my beginning yoga and meditation students that, you know, when you're feeling overwhelmed or super stressed out, most of us will like take a deep sigh. You know, when you're just having a rough day, you get into the car by yourself and you take a deep inhale and you just exhale and just ah, let it all go. That's your body. That's, that's your innate wisdom telling you to, to practice what in yoga is referred to as pranayama, as those deep breathing and energy techniques. Because we know that it holds these gifts for us and that it can move us into a state 
where we're, we're not gripped by stress or anxiety or busy thoughts. We can move through it and beyond it, even for just a few moments. Absolutely. I, uh, I know personally from talking to you that you have some very interesting stories regarding uh, your yoga retreats that you've been on, where you've literally unplugged everything. And I wanted to see if you could share some of that with our audience regarding when you're in a, in a very meditative state of mind for a prolonged period of time. Sure, absolutely. Um, so, and again, you know, for, for me, I, uh, I struggle with, um, I, I struggle with my mind racing with getting caught up in my own stories. That's part of us being storytellers too, right? Is we're constantly telling ourselves the story of our life in our own heads. And that's what can lead us to anxiety. And it's usually some, some story that sounds like I'm not good enough or I'm, I'm never, I never have good luck. I'm always unlucky in love or I, 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 things will never work out for me or that's not possible. Um, all of those stories can really hijack us. So it's so important to use these tools which are available to us if, if we choose to. And um, meditation and being in those deeper meditative states is so powerful. So I go once a year to North Carolina where I actually lead a yoga and creative writing retreat. And we're going back this fall. We'll be there from uh, the, last, the very last weekend of September into early October at this beautiful, beautiful place. Called, it's called The Art of Living, which is wonderful. And um, it, it really is up there that we work with these varying practices, uh, like we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, where we, we journal and, and work into our stories and the power of language, and then we start to move beyond that. That's where those deeper meditative states actually come in, because as much as I love language, I also have to recognize the limitations of language, that language is only here to create a label. And if I get so caught up and attached to a label, I'm sort of missing that bigger picture. So when you sit in meditation, and I should also say that all meditation does not have to be seated. Walking meditation is great for me. I, I, I gain a lot of my meditation from being outside in nature. And either if I'm just sort of sitting outside, but also walking and being in nature is a, a really powerful way to reconnect us and, and help us remember that we're, so, we're, we're part of something that is so much bigger. Of course, that's true on a biological level, um, but it's true on the level of the heart as well. And in those deeper emotional states, or I'm sorry, I should say deeper meditative states, my resentment, my grudges, they start to fall away. I have a capacity for forgiveness toward myself and toward others that I didn't have when I was just sort of going through my day and reacting to the things that happened to me, which is the normal human response. Meditation Absolutely. allows me, yeah, it allows me this, like, to access this wellspring of compassion for myself and for others that, you know, I didn't even know was there. I think that's a, a valid, very valid point. The fact that when you utilize 
meditation and yoga, the, the mindfulness of it, it makes you realize that a lot of the things that bother us or consume us could have a big, uh, it can change. You could change, you can really reprogram your thought process just from exactly. how you, how you manifest your ideas surrounding it. You know, you brought up the stories we tell within ourselves, our thought processes. And I consider that the what if moments. I tell my clients all the time, erase your negative what if moments and focus only on positive ones because anything of what if this, what if that, it doesn't exist. It doesn't need to be even focused on. Mm, I love that. You know? That's so helpful. That's such, that's such great advice. And I actually, I think that is a massive key to anxiety. Um, anxiety is really rooted in that negative what if story pattern, isn't it? It's like, well, what if this happens? Let me freak out about it now, and then I'll somehow be prepared in case it does happen because I'm already freaking out, which is really not an effective way to go through life. Absolutely not. You, you just don't want to, to have to deal with that at all on any level. Right, right. Sure. So uh, beginning to rewrite those stories is so key, and using meditation is what helped me start to rewrite my own stories. Um, I was so somber. I was, I was one of those, those people growing up college who could really put on a happy face externally. I could sort of like flip the switch and um, have that public persona. But deep inside, I was really sad. I had, uh, you know, all of this uncertainty and all of this rumbling within my emotions. And it was um, when I started to practice Reiki and meditation and yoga that I started to smooth those rumbling emotional states out, not by seeking anything on the outside, but by looking even deeper inward beyond those emotional states and then through them. For sure. Going, getting into the energy healing, because I'd like you to talk about that a little bit. Uh, can sure. you tell us a little about how you got involved in the Reiki energy healing? Sure. Um, you know, it's funny how life works. When I graduated college, I wanted I, – okay, when I graduated from college, I immediately thought, like, great, I'm a poet, and didn't have a practical plan of, how a poet makes a living or, uh, you know, how, how I could uh, actually get a job as a poet. Unfortunately, there aren't too many of those on offer in America. Um, but I did get a job as a freelance writer in Tampa, just very, very part-time stuff. And it wasn't paying the bills. So I had to get a night job as a receptionist at a spa. And you, sometimes you just think like, oh, I'm just going to do this, this thing, this side gig or whatever, this small activity, it's not going to amount to much, but it's going to help. And that's the thing that changes everything. Uh, we never know what the profound uh, turning point in our lives is going to be. And for me, getting this job as a receptionist at the spa allowed me to meet my Reiki teacher, Maggie Wilcox. Uh, she came in one day. It was a, a beautiful spa that specialized in not only massage, of course, and facials, but you could also get these, these energy treatments, which I had never heard of or really been uh, around or exposed to. And when she showed up at the spa, um, I had a little break and nobody else was there. So she gave me a free Reiki treatment. And I experienced 
this opening, this and that sense, again, of inner peace that I'd always wanted. And I was like, oh, my goodness, what is this Reiki stuff? I have to learn everything about it. Teach me. And she did. Over the course of the next year, I went through what in the Reiki tradition, I'm sure some of your listeners are very familiar with this, they're, they're referred to as the attunements. So the first attunement level is for self-healing. And then the second attunement level enables you to also heal others. And then the third level enables you to give those attunements to actually help other people open up to this healing path themselves. And Reiki itself is a very, very simple, very gentle, and yet very powerful practice because it works with prana uh, or chi. It's called prana in the yogic tradition, the Sanskrit word. Um, it's called ki, of course, in Japanese. Reiki is a Japanese word, and it's uh, referred to as chi in, uh, in the Chinese tradition, such as qigong or in tai chi. We've heard of these practices that work with that luminous, vital life force energy that, just like the breath, can make us feel more relaxed, more deeply at peace in very, very simple ways. Wow, that's great. <laughs> I, uh, I believe heavily on energy healing. I think it's a great aspect of things for sure. Yeah, I've experienced tremendous, tremendous uh, changes in my life because of, of Reiki. And um, that, that's the only reason why, that's why I do these practices, because they've worked for me, because they've helped me heal. And I've been so fortunate that now uh, it's exciting. I get to see these practices help other people heal too, whether it's journaling, whether it's through yoga, meditation, or through, through Reiki. It's, it's really, really beautiful. What is the best thing about energy healing that you think could benefit the average person listening to our episode right now? Such a good question. I think the best thing about energy healing is that it does not operate on the same dimension as the mind. And the mind is usually what gets us into trouble, right? <laughs> so the mind Definitely. is what is mostly, it's, it's what's governing our experience because our thoughts are, for most of us, mere humans, unless you are a, a yoga master, right, who meditates all day long. Uh, most of us have our thoughts constantly narrating our human experience. It's endless. Um, and actually, one of my meditation teachers refers to this catalog of inner voices as the committee. <laughs> we all have an inner committee, and we have different committee members. You know, you have that inner voice of anger, and that voice gets really, really loud. And it's hard when we're angry. Our thoughts are so loud, rattling in our brains, that it's really hard to hear anything else going on. Uh, it's hard to hear your own inner wisdom, or let alone advice from a friend. And uh, conversely, though, we do have uh, another committee member, the, the quietest committee member, which is the voice of, of, of inner guidance, of inner wisdom, of inner truth, that is more deeply connected to that higher consciousness. The thing is, that voice whispers. So we have to get very quiet ourselves through these practices so that we can hear our own inner wisdom, our own inner truth. And um, that's what I love about energy healing. You could be, you know, your mind could be racing. 
But if you get a Reiki treatment, Reiki is operating on the level of energy. And energy is, is a more subtle, more refined uh, element than, and I don't mean um, element as, as, a, as a measurable element, but it's uh, in these spiritual traditions. It's this subtle, refined quality that animates us and that gives rise to all life and um, all of this vitality that we experience on planet Earth. And we can tap into that and be more connected to that, and we can use it to uplift us when we're feeling down. There are breathing techniques that can really, really rev up your energy. And we joke in yoga that it's like a free shot of espresso. Um, and of course, <laughs> Reiki, uh, Reiki and other forms of pranic healing, they generally help to soothe, right? They're very calming. They're very, uh, very sweet. But they also do a lot of deep work. Prana, chi, ki, that, that, that deeper life force energy, it'll get in you and it'll start bringing up and, and helping you work through your old wounds and your old stories that are holding you back and so, so that you can move past them and move on with your life. And I think a big part of that also has to do with the chakra aspects of things. Can you explain that briefly? Absolutely. Um, so the, the chakra system is uh, in the yogic tradition and, and also many other spiritual traditions, a way of looking at this subtle life force energy. And um, I, I've heard it said, I, I believe it was the famous yoga teacher, Shiva Ray, who said, you know, anytime you travel to new territory and you don't really know where you're going, it's really helpful to have a map from the people who've been there before and they've already charted out that territory. The chakras are that map for us as we begin to navigate this really subtle layer of experience. You know, it's really obvious if you stub your toe, you're going to feel that because that's a very physical aspect. But energy is also very physical and it's very powerful because stress is very, it, it's, an, it's energetic, right? Stress isn't actually, stress manifests physically and it's causes all sorts of problems for us. It causes heart disease, it causes back pain, it causes TMJ, it causes tension headaches, it causes, you know, arguments with your kids, it causes all sorts of problems. But stress itself is only energy, a very, very subtle aspect of reality. And so the chakras are these condensed forms of energy. Um, there are many, many different traditions, and um, there are, are m multiple chakras within the human system, but for ease, most of us recognize that there are seven primary chakras that run along the human body from the root, from the base, uh, at, the, at the base, at the hips, and that run all up along the spine through the crown of the head. And these different concentrated areas of prana, of energy. Uh, they are related to different physical aspects of ourselves, of course. For example, the root chakra, muladhara chakra, that is related to our lower, sort of the lower body. And even the, the legs, there are seven unique chakras just there alone in between the knees, the calves, the ankles, the soles of the feet um, that are a little bit more, uh, you know, more specific. But in general, this root area also governs metaphysically or metaphorically how we feel rooted in our lives. 
our primary concerns. You know, do we, uh, are, are our finances secure? Do we have our primary relationships intact? Do we feel at home in our own skin? Do we feel safe? Do we have shelter at night? Are we worried about when our next meal is going to come in? These are first chakra issues. And if you find that you're having issues in your life, you might feel what we often call as a block, right? This area is blocked somehow. Definitely. And this could show up in, yeah, it could show up in all sorts of different ways. So I know for you too, Jason, as an energy healer and an intuitive, you can kind of look at somebody's energy field and really see like where there might be a sense of block or some fuzziness throughout their system. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know I do the pranic healing, um, and it's very similar to Reiki because I've done the basic level Reiki. And uh, I, th I just think energy healing is something a lot of people should really learn about. Just like yoga and meditation. I feel like all these things are very important to get exposed to it and learn about it and then practice it. The more we exactly. incorporate these type of mod modalities, healing modalities and practices into our daily lives, I feel like the more you'll be balanced and... Uh, You'll, you'll just be happier. You'll be more satisfied. You'll be more attuned. Right, right. And everything. at the end of the day, I, exactly, that's what it's all about. It's, it's a, discovering that sense of inner peace, that, that happiness. Let me ask you this. The title of your essay collection, Going On, uh, tell our audience about the meaning of Going On itself. I know there's some meaning there for any yogi. Oh, sure. Sure, sure. So, uh, well, the word om, uh, O-M, it's, it's, of course, sometimes spelled and pronounced as om, A-U-M. Um, but om is considered to be that ancient sound vibration that connects us all. And this actually ties directly to what you were just saying in terms of energy healing. Uh, so with energy healing, we recognize that all matter is vibration, that all, all particles operate on wavelengths. And so, of course, we look at the world around us, we look at ourselves, and we see density. We see hard, tactile, concrete objects. But that's only through the equipment of our five senses. When we have more sophisticated uh, equipment that allows us to see that vibration, we're able to see the electrons swirling beneath everything. And so uh, sound, sound vibration is one of the most direct ways that we as humans can access uh, energy. Right, And I think this is why music itself is so powerful, why people are drawn to going to concerts or just listening to beautiful music can really change our mood. Um, that vibration gets into us, and it affects us too. And I often use the metaphor of a tuning fork. You know, if you strike a tuning fork, it'll vibrate at a certain pitch, at a certain frequency. And then if you set that tuning fork down on a table, the table will also vibrate at that very same frequency. So it's contagious. Vibration, um, and we know this because we even use the word uh, vibes, right? You walk into a room, sure. you can sense if there are good vibes or bad vibes. Even give me a skeptic who's like, yeah, whatever, Reiki is fake. Um, they, ha they themselves have walked into a room and just gotten some weird sense 
and they might have said like, yeah, I got good vibes from that person. They're, they seem they seem pretty cool. I could trust them. Or I got bad vibes from that person. I'm probably not going to call them again. Um, we're picking up sure. on these vibrational signals that don't uh, necessarily require the equipment of our analytical mind. It's more subtle than that. But we're picking up on that stimulus, those signals all the same. So. Where does this bring That's us great. to Ohm? Well, Ohm, <laughs> Ohm is that Ohm is a vibration itself, and the ancient yogic scriptures depict Ohm as being this exceptionally powerful vibration. They're even doing they and they have done many studies on cancer patients who chant Ohm, and because also that um, vibration is said to stimulate the vagus nerve in in the body that helps to bring us into more of a, a relaxed state. Um, these cancer patients reported uh, feeling better, feeling more, more at ease. And uh, there, there are so many studies like that going on. Um, so OM itself really is the end-all be-all. It, it's sort of like the starting vibration that gave rise to all matter that takes shape in the world. Me, you, the trees, uh, one of my teachers, actually the owner of the Lotus Pond, Val Spies, she says that OM is the sound of the waves crashing against the shore. It's the sound of the breeze between the leaves. And it's the sound of your heartbeat. And it's the sound of all of our heartbeats, right? It's that connective, I love that. unifying vib vibration. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. That is beautiful. We actually so, have another caller, by the way. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm gonna, hold on one second. Okay. Hello? Hi, Amala. This is Jason. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jason. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for calling in. Do you have a question for Melissa? Um, I'm just listening to her, and um, it's very beautiful what you're saying because um, I'm an avid yoga practice practice person as well. I don't teach it, but um, I've been doing it for five years, so I really love I love the practice, and I'm I'm doing it pretty much like five to six times a week, so. Do you have yeah. any particular question at all that you want to ask Melissa? Or? I don't. I was actually, you know what? I was just, I just, I just chimed into the show, but um, I was looking up Melissa your uh, your retreat, so I might be interested in coming to that in the fall. So that sounds. Oh, that would be wonderful. Yeah, yeah that would be great. <laughs> so do you do you do Reiki? Do you do healing? Is that what you do as well? Yes. Yeah, so I also uh, give Reiki treatments, and they can be in person or long distance. And I also okay. do attunements. Oh, you do attunements too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And how long have you been? How long have you been practicing or teaching yoga? I've been uh, teaching yoga since 2008, so 10 years. And oh. I started all of these practices in 2006. So. Oh wow, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, it just, I happen to be, uh, I was born and raised in the States, but I happen to be Indian, so I really enjoy yoga myself, and my parents started doing it in the 80s, and I'm like, what are we doing? <laughs> I didn't want anything to do with it, but then I got into it. It's all about free will and free speech. yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, I'm fascinated by the sort of cultural shifts and you know that that like all I just everything with how yoga is <laughs> yeah and I learned so much from all of my teachers 
Yeah, it, it's it's such a beautiful. The oming thing is like I love it, especially at the beginning of class, and then at the end to seal the deal. It's a wonderful way to uh, come home. It's just beautiful. So I just really enjoy the whole scope of it, not just the the asanas, but just the um, it is a mind body spirit connection. And and I don't know if you've heard of the saying, it is meditation and meditation in mo- in in motion. And so, right, exactly. Yeah. So I think it's just, I like, I like the traditional yoga practice. I mean, a lot of it is, um, if people make, have their own, you know, ways of intertwining what they've learned and making it their own, but I really enjoy the, the hatha yoga and the vinyasa. Actually, I like vinyasa as well, too, because you get both. You get, you're challenging in the positions and then you're also, you know, using your breath, of course. Um, and my right. favorite thing, the favorite thing is the Ujjayi breath. I don't even notice I'm like using it so much. The, the Darth Vader, the mm-hmm. Darth Vader breath. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. That's phenomenal yeah. that you have exercised that yourself and been able to utilize it within your own lifestyle. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because like you're Melissa, you're a writer too, and and um, I'm actually writing about, um, and it's interesting because I get my thoughts, of course, creativity while I'm on the mat, and uh, I, I wish I had you know something to record during class, but I actually practice at a center. But, but um, uh, to make a long story short, it's it's just interesting that the the beauty of the awareness, the mindfulness that you could just it within just 60 minutes of just transporting yourself into a different zone and a different level of of consciousness so yeah i'm worried yeah. a lot of yeah it's beautiful so yeah these practices are very powerful they are they are and it's just such a mind body i mean it's just, it's it's a real it's a I can't even describe it. It's just like a, I'm in Zen land. It's like I'm in a total different world when I'm on that mat. And it's just, it's very, it's fascinating. I'm learning so much about myself, you know, and I've been practicing for five years, but it's never, it's never ending. It's never ending. And it's just it's a great, great way to, to really expand. Right. When, there was yeah. a moment um, a few years ago I was doing an intensive uh, study course and I, and I realized how little I, I knew, how much there, there is to know, of course, the depth and the breadth of the yoga traditions because, of course, yeah. there are so many traditions. Yeah. We're really in the West just um, practicing a very modern adaptation of Patanjali's yoga, which yeah. is where the, the hatha, you know, hatha yoga pradipika and then yeah. vinyasa is really pretty recent and most people think the asanas are like 500 a thousand years old but originally there were only four yoga postures and they were just variations on meditation (laughs) interesting i didn't know that okay very cool awesome so where's boone where's boone north carolina where is that near so um boone you know i'm not super familiar with like North Carolina geography. I know it's near Appalachian State University. Uh, we, uh, you can either fly into Charlotte Airport. That's like the closest airport, um, okay. and then it's about like a two and a half hour drive from Charlotte. It's a gorgeous center. It's right on the top of the Blue Ridge Mountains, so it's also off the Blue Ridge Parkway. 
It's, okay. it's a beautiful, beautiful place. I thought you were from there. Where are you from then? Uh, Florida, from Tampa. Oh, so I travel there. Yeah. I, uh, so the, the studio that I'm affiliated with, the Lotus Pond, we lead uh, retreats. We're in Tampa, but we lead retreats there. Um, and I, I lead the fall retreat. Uh, oh, interesting. I'm very interested in that. i got to check it out more on your website, but um, that looks that looks bad. My first yoga retreat was for my 40th. And I went to Hawaii, and it was like it went to Maui. Wow! Like um, I love <laughs> They're so much fun. It's such a great vacation, and you're 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 getting in shape at the same time. So, <laughs> 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 so that's really cool. I'm gonna definitely look. Where are you into calling that. from, Amala? I'm from Connecticut. Okay, so you're calling from Connecticut. I was just curious. I know um, you've called them before. Uh, yeah, just because we're down in Florida, I was very curious to find out uh, once again where you're from. Because that's you know it's great to hear your perspective for our yeah, show. Yeah, well, thank you. It's just um, it's it's been a it's been a journey and a half. I'm also I'm sharing a little bit more. I am also legally blind, so I um, I'm basically I have central vision. I still can read and all the other good stuff. So the exploration of yoga has really helped me. Um, totally no pun intended open my third eye like nobody's business and it's just the awareness is just uh, absolutely fascinating and I'm, I just can't even tell you um and I'm writing about it in the sense I feel more full this is one of my lines I feel more full losing my vision than I did when I had more vision when I was driving when I was when I was in college reading normal books and all other good stuff and now that not, I mean I could still read but it there's uh, I'm slower at it in the sense of um, vision issues with the glare and stuff. But um, wow. but anyway, yeah, it's just it's it's fascinating. I can't even tell you how much yoga's helped me through the really really tough times of the ignorance and facing all of that, and I still do, and and dealing like um, you know people. Uh, it's no it's no it's just it's. I don't know how to describe it. I don't. I don't blame anybody for it. Just where they're at, where people are at. They don't know, so they they make judgments and all that other good stuff. But I've learned only by the ignorance, ironically enough, to um, fully love me, because unconditionally. And the more I love myself through the practice of yoga and meditation, I you know, it's I'm my own best friend. So it's, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, it's I an interesting you sharing that with our audience, <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, it's good to see you again, Jason. Yeah, I just, I just get so like when I just saw the yoga writer, I was like, wow, yeah, that's all me. So I had to, I was just sitting <laughs> and listening. <laughs> so, um, but thank you so much. I appreciate it, everything, and most of maybe you'll see me you. in person. And Jason, you too. Maybe you can come to yoga. I would love to. I would love to. I, 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 I need to. I need to be. I just need to plunge in the deep end and maybe sign up for Melissa's retreat as well. And and we could all be there. <laughs> we'll get you. We'll get you there one way or another, Jason. <laughs> and I, you know, just one last thing before I leave. I like the fact that you um offer the weekend and the full week. So that's nice that you do that with the with the price for the weekend. If you want to go to, I'll probably come to the full week, but. 
it's nice that people have that choice, that option. So thank you. Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, we tried to, uh, yeah, make it fit people's lives. Yes, absolutely. I re- this sounds very intriguing. I've always wanted to go to North Carolina anyway. My parents were newlyweds there. So it's just, I've always wanted to go. So time to go. I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> well, All so right. nice to um, meet to, to chat with you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to thank talk you. To you thank well. you so much for calling and, and uh, supporting us. I appreciate it. Okay, take <laughs> Have a great night. Okay, you too. Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. Melissa, it's been a great episode, even despite our slight technical difficulties. Um, well, I'll do my best to have that edited in the future for our podcast. But I, I know we went a little over, but I also felt that the information you're sharing right now, to me, is so pivotal for our, our listeners. And I love your angle. I love that you can incorporate creativity with mindfulness, yoga, and that you're tying this all together. And, and creating your own brand of trying to help other people. I just think it's, it's, it's a, such a strong and such a vital, powerful thing. Before we Thank you. end our episode, <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. I, I am so lucky to have you as a close friend and fellow colleague on this stuff. Uh, it's great to welcome you to our show. I wanted to make sure that I brought up your website so that if any of our listeners want to learn more about you, they can go and click on your site and check you out. So if you can share that with us, I would deeply appreciate that at this time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, my website is theyogawriter.com, so that's easy. And uh, you can also find me on Instagram at uh, theyogawriter. It's the dot yoga dot, like periods, the period yoga period writer. But my website is just www.theyogawriter.com theyogawriter.com and there you can learn more about the book going home you can uh, even read a sample of one of the essays in the book you can learn more about the retreat or um, any workshops that I offer as well and uh, soon there will also be more and more um, videos and guided meditations available for free and uh, I do have a blog that I uh, try to keep relatively updated we'll be better at updating it more (laughs) could you uh let us know when your next retreat is going to uh occur yes so that retreat that is the yoga and writing retreat that we were just chatting about and that's going to be the last weekend of september it's going to be um i believe the dates are september 28th you can just stay and from friday to monday until october 1st or um, you could stay the whole week if you if you want to as well until October fourth. So, and again, that'll That's be great. in and what about, North Carolina. Okay, and what about your workshops? When are those going on? My workshops are primarily in Tampa, Florida, at the Lotus Pond Yoga Center. So um, those uh, upcoming workshops can either be found on my website or even the Lotus Pond, uh, the Lotus Pond's website for any of your listeners who are in the Tampa Bay area. But I'm also, you know, if uh, somebody has a healing center or a yoga center, um, I do also love to travel and teach workshops and, and lead retreats all over the world. That's excellent. That's excellent. I. I, I deeply appreciate you having on our phone uh, on our show today, and so glad that you 
you came on and shared your personal story with us and everything that you're working towards right now. I will promote you to everybody I know because I know everything that you're doing is such a vital and positive thing for so many who need this. I, I, I'm so excited that we were able to have this episode today and, and go over this information. And I wish you the best. And I definitely want to have you on the show again in the future. Oh, me too. Thank, I can't thank you enough, Jason. You've been such a, a, a great, inspiring friend to me all of these years. And <laughs> it's just great to chat about the things we love. So thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, absolutely. Thank you so much, Melissa. All right. Take care. I just wanted to tell everyone, uh, our audience, to tune in weekly to our episode Thursday nights. If anyone ever would wish to contact us, we do have a website now for the actual radio show, which is www.d, the letter D, socialpsychicradio.com. Check out our site. It lists our upcoming featured guests, and it also has uh, some information about our episodes and the topics that we're covering and all those type of great things. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And we look forward to having additional episodes with you each week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook. And don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for season two of the Wanna Bet podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that season two starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Electric Acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Electric acid.